Welcome to the At the End of the Day podcast. I'm coming to you from my bed currently. It is so cold outside and I feel like on days like this, it's hard to leave my bed. So I have my microphone in hand and I hear the wind outside. It's super strong. Please stay safe this holiday season. Also, can you believe that tomorrow is Christmas Eve? Can't wrap my head around that. Feels like 2022 just started, but now it's time for 2023. Because we're nearing the end of this year and it's time to wrap things up, I feel like I am trying to be more reflective these days. And sometimes when I look back on past memories, I just get very in my feels, I get very nostalgic. But how about you? How does the holiday season affect you? How do you feel, you know, when it's late December? What kind of thoughts are you usually having about the year? Or are you just vibing? Because if you are, I'm very jealous. I was actually having a conversation the other day with my dad about personality and temperaments. And we were talking about the Enneagram test, which is just a personality test where you're given a number, one through nine. If you Google the Enneagram Institute or Enneagram test, you can probably find um, a couple tests to take for free online. And I'm a type 8. So just to give a description, type 8 is also called the challenger. And on EnneagramInstitute.com, it says, Eights are self-confident, strong, and assertive, protective, resourceful, straight-talking, and decisive, but can also be egocentric and domineering. And the interesting thing about Enneagram is that they give you your basic fear, basic desire, and key motivations. And they have this diagram that shows which direction you might go in, in stress and in growth. So just to read off the website, it says, When moving in their direction of disintegration... Self-confident eights suddenly become secretive and fearful at five. However, when moving in their direction of integration or growth, lustful controlling eights become more open-hearted and caring, like healthy twos. But anyways, my dad and I were talking over some pho about the basic fears and basic desires. And for type eights, the basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. I would say I have control issues. Um... This might be tied to perfectionism too. The basic desire of type 8s is to protect themselves or to be in control of their life and destiny. That's what the website says. And in stress, type 8s go to 5. So let me read you the type 5 description. Type 5s are called the investigators and they are described as intense or cerebral. 5s are alert, insightful, and curious. Now, the basic fear of type 5s is of being useless, helpless, or incapable. The basic desire is to be capable and competent. And my dad was reading this and he was like, wow, this is so you. And you know what's interesting is I feel like I'm pretty aware of my control issues, but when it comes to the fear of being useless or incapable, that's something that doesn't resonate with me. So... When he was reading that, I was just thinking, is this is this such a deep-rooted, covered-up fear of mine that it's so deep in my subconscious, I'm not even aware of it? And the type 8 basic fears and desires make more sense to me than the type 5 fears and desires. And my dad was just kind of like, for you, I think, Julie, the way you want to be in control is you want to be competent. And the way you want to be competent 
is to be in control. He didn't say that word for word, but it was along that premise, and it made so much sense. And for type fives, it also says the key motivations are that we want to possess knowledge, to understand the environment, to have everything figured out as a way of defending the self from threats from the environments. So this, this makes sense to me. Also, what does resonate with me is that type fives apparently become detached, yet high strung and intense. And also, I retook the MBTI recently just for fun after this whole Enneagram conversation. My results were 55% introverted versus 45% extroverted, 62% intuitive versus 38% observant, 64% thinking versus 36% feeling, and 53% prospecting versus 47% judging, which I thought the P stood for perceiving, but I guess I was wrong, or maybe it changed, but the INTP type is also known as the logician, and if I'm correct, a lot of times INTPs are type 5s in the Enneagram. So if I am a type 5 currently, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> because if you look on the 16 personalities website, they give you like a rundown about who is a logician, you know, what is the INTP known for. And it says, logicians pride themselves on their unique perspectives and vigorous intellect. Now, I don't think I pride myself on how many questions I have. And recently, I get more annoyed actually at my tendency to ask a lot of questions because sometimes I just want to vibe. And the personality type that I get jealous of is a type who can seem to just have fun no matter what. And I feel jealous when I see someone who is able to enjoy the moment and not get caught up in their own thoughts. So... Do you consider yourself to be self-aware? And would you say that you're self-reflective? Do you ask a lot of questions? What's your MBTI type? What's your Enneagram type? What are things that you like about yourself? What are things you don't like about yourself? These are questions that I want to ask every person I meet. (laughs) Especially in the age of social media, I feel like we're constantly showing ourselves online, but we're presenting a very one-dimensional version of ourselves. So it's kind of this paradox of overexposure, but also overexposure of a fraction of who you actually are. And when I scroll on Instagram, for example, or TikTok, and I see people living their life and doing a bunch of cool things, going on adventures, traveling, I wonder, am I missing out? Am I not doing enough right now? And I think it's almost inevitable to compare yourself on social media. And my TikTok for you page is like 10% dance and 90% like psychology related videos. So it could be a video from a licensed therapist or just motivational videos from people talking about how they gain more confidence or videos by people who are giving advice to younger people or saying things that they wish they had known when they were younger. So it's that realm of videos that pop up on my feed. And I think sometimes I just absorb those videos and expect them to teach me what I need to know about life. But that's not the case. I can't just depend on the internet to teach me how to live. And so slightly related, I have a couple of guests that are going to be coming on the show. And I'm super excited to have conversations with them and get their perspectives on things because you know it's always an opportunity to learn when you're having a one-on-one conversation with someone and 
these days, especially, I think it's something to be grateful for is having people to have those conversations with. Enough of that tangent. I kind of strayed from my personality type conversation. But on to the next thing. Music, books, and film. We've already reached this section because I kind of want to spend more time here today. I want to read two books. A book that has changed my life recently and a book from my childhood that I could also say changed my life. So two books that have really impacted me. And also I want to read from these two because the last episode when I was reading the poem at the end, um, I had to re-record that section multiple times because of audio stuff. And re-listening to the whole episode, I realized just how different my tone was from in the section before I was reading and then when I was reading. So it almost sounded like super sad and dramatic, but it was I think it was just because it was literally a different time of day when I was recording that section and also I probably was tired. So this time I want to read and do these works justice, hopefully, and have a more congruent episode overall. But starting off, I have Still Life with Oysters and Lemon by Mark Doty. This book is about a still life painting, and it is just beautiful. It changed my whole perspective on writing and nonfiction as a genre. But I'm just going to read the first page, very short passage. This first passage is enough to captivate you. It's just, it sucks you into the work. And I can't really describe it, you just have to read it. So let me read it for you. It starts. A sharp, cracking, cold day. The air of the Upper East Side, full of rising plumes of smoke from furnaces and steaming laundries. Exhaust from the tailpipes of idling taxis, flapping banners, gangs of pigeons. Here on the museum steps, a flock suddenly chooses to take flight. The sound of their ascent like no other except maybe the rush of air a gas stove makes when the oven suddenly ignites. Only with the birds that sudden suck of air is followed by a rhythmic hurry of wings that trails away almost immediately as the flock moves into the air. Their ascent echoes back from the solidarity of the museum's columns and heavy doors. The wide stairway, where even in the cold people are smoking and shifting their chilly weight from side to side, eating pretzels, hunching over blue and white paper cups of coffee. I have a backache. I'm travel-weary, and it couldn't matter less. For this whole scene, the crowd and hustle on the museum steps, which seem alive all day with commerce and hurry, with gatherings and departures, is suffused for me with warmth, because I have fallen in love with a painting. Please go listen to Mark Doty reading his own piece, because I probably can't do his work justice, but... I hope it kind of, I hope he kind of get what I mean, you know, I hope it kind of transfers just how beautiful his writing is. And when people ask me, what's your favorite anything, I usually struggle, can't choose favorite color, movie, whatever. But if someone asked me, what's your favorite book, I would say Still Life with Oysters and Lemon by Mark Doty. Now on to the next book. Have you heard of The Little Engine That Could? My number one childhood book. It's by Wadi Piper. So this book is about an engine that's carrying toys and candy and puzzles and books and things to give. It says the good little boys and girls on the other side of the mountain. So this train is carrying a bunch of things and it suddenly stops and it needs to go over this mountain, but it suddenly stops and it needs help. And the toys come out and try to fly down these 
engines that are passing by, and one by one, they reject them and refuse to help. For example, here it says, But the shiny new engine snorted, I pull you. I am a passenger engine. I have just carried a fine big train over the mountain with more cars than you ever dreamed of. My train had sleeping cars with comfortable berths, etc. And then there's the big engine that they flag down. And it says in the book, But the big strong engine bellowed, I am a freight engine. I have just pulled a big train loaded with big machines over the mountain. These machines print books and newspapers for grown-ups to read. I'm a very important engine indeed. I won't pull the likes of you. And so all these engines pass them and they get discouraged. But then this little engine, this little blue engine comes chugging along and asks kindly what is going on, what they need help with. And they once again ask for help to get across the mountain. And in the book it reads, I'm not very big, said the little blue engine. They use me only for switching trains in the yard. I have never been over the mountain. But then the toys are saying, but we still need to get over the mountain. You know, we need you. And so she says, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And she hitched herself to the little train. If this isn't the most inspirational book you've ever read, this fills me with hope. Even now, as I'm reading this, I don't remember the last time I took this off my bookshelf. I keep it on there for good luck. But just to read the last few pages, it says... She tugged and pulled and pulled and tugged and slowly, slowly, slowly they started off. The toy clown jumped aboard and all the dolls and the toy animals began to smile and cheer. Puff, puff, chug, chug went the little blue engine. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Up, up, up. Faster and faster and faster and faster the little engine climbed until at last they reached the top of the mountain. Down in the valley lay the city. Hooray, hooray, cried the funny little clown <laughs> and all the dolls and toys. The good little boys and girls in the city will be happy because you helped us, kind little blue engine. And the little blue engine smiled and seemed to say as she puffed steadily down the mountain, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. Amazing. Beautiful. Spectacular. One of a kind. Never the same. I mean, this this book had a huge impact on me as a child. Still has a huge impact on me to this day. It's a story about believing in yourself, you know. It's a story about the underdog and all these other engines that refused to help these toys because they thought they were better than them or above them at the end of the day were of no use at least to these toys but then this little engine that had no experience actually going over the mountain did it and was the hero of this story so what a wonderful book what a wonderful story makes me feel inspired even now if you haven't read the entire book i honestly recommend it doesn't matter how old you are there's so many lessons to be learned from this thin little book but yeah, I just wanted to read a little bit of these two books because I think especially in the holiday season, reading can be very comforting. You know, the weather is going wild outside, super cold, traveling can be dangerous. Why not stay at home and reread one of your favorite books? I don't know, seems nice to me. And for film, oh my goodness, a holiday classic for me is Elf. Every Christmas, I love to rewatch Elf. 
it just scratches my brain in all the right ways. And it's interesting because every time I watch it, it gets shorter and shorter. Like it feels shorter and shorter. And Zoe Deschanel, iconic. Her singing, the acting, the story, also all the elements of humor. I love a good comedy movie. And for music, of course, listening to Christmas music. You know what's sad? I love Christmas music, okay? I don't get sick of it. But for some reason, this season, it just hasn't been calling to me. So I haven't been listening to Christmas music to prepare for Christmas. And now it's already around the corner. So after I finish recording this podcast, the two songs I'm going to go listen to are Jummer Boy by Justin Bieber and Busta Rhymes and Mistletoe, also by Justin Bieber. I do not know why, but Mistletoe and Jummer Boy are my two most necessary Christmas songs. Have those on repeat every season. This season, I hope you can indulge in your comfort movies and comfort music and also comfort books. If you have to travel, please stay safe. And please look forward to the next episode where I will be having the pleasure of speaking with some really cool individuals. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your weekend and holiday season. Bye!